It's time now for St. Mary Healthline. Your health is your most precious asset, and every Wednesday at 9 a.m., you can tune in for advice on how to better manage your health. Hear about important medical issues from the doctors and professionals across all service lines from St. Mary Medical Center. So without any further ado, it's time now for the St. Mary Healthline. Good morning. We are underway here. It's the St. Mary Healthline on WBCB. Great to be with you once again. We're here at St. Mary Medical Center. We get to hit the road every once in a while and uh, find out some interesting information about the latest when it comes to staying well, being healthy, and uh, what St. Mary Medical Center is doing for our community. And today we're joined by Dr. Sean McGinley, a urologist at St. Mary Comprehensive Urologic Specialist. Hey, good morning, Dr. McGinley. Morning. Thank you for having me. Well, great to have you here with us. And today we're going to talk about the stones. But on WBCB, sometimes we play the Rolling Stones, but we're <laughs> talking about kidney stones today. Yes. A- an issue that um, I, seems to be fairly common amongst a, a certain age group of men. Uh, and women nowadays more as well, and kids, sadly enough, as well, too. We'll, we'll get into all of that sure. as we go through the show. This is the St. Mary Healthline, and if you're looking for more information about what we talk about here today, maybe you have a different uh, health care-related concern, go to stmaryhealthcare.org, and you can navigate that website, find out a bit more about Dr. McGinley. But right now we want to find out a little bit more about him by uh, seeing kind of what your journey has been like through the um, – that uh, has brought you here to St. Mary Medical Center, your education, your background. Sure. Uh, so, originally from Philadelphia, uh, went to LaSalle for high school, then Penn for undergrad. Nice. Yeah, and then I left, unfortunately, against my will, to go to New York City for medical school, and then uh, went to residency in Buffalo. They and dragged you up to New York. Yeah, you know, I started going north, and uh, eventually I turned back at the Canadian border. <laughs> All came, the way up to yeah, Buffalo, and came, he said, came back. i got to get back here to Philadelphia. Yeah, shuffled the, on back. <laughs> the great Delaware Valley. Well, it, it's great to have you here with us today on the Healthline and to have you here at St. Mary Medical Center. Uh, what does the kidney do? We're going to talk about kidney stones. Yeah. Uh, let's get right to the basics. Uh, what does that – what function does that organ perform? Uh, Generally, it's it's filtration, gets the waste products out, uh, allows you to kind of pass things that aren't necessarily not otherwise you know processed by the liver, kind of out the body. It's, that's the general general function of the kidneys. And uh, people can still be okay with just one of those kidneys functioning, yeah. right? Now. I've also heard other people talking about their um, their kidney function rate. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that you guys can determine, and it gives you an idea how well those are, are, are how effectively they're they're performing. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's the the test to get a real definitive assessment of your kidney filtration rate or kidney function is a little bit invasive and extensive, but the general estimates we use are are pretty tried and true and pretty um, effective as far as monitoring goes and like a daily basis. And as far as having two versus one kidney, um, it's Obviously, people do donors or donations, and uh, you can certainly survive with one kidney. It's not always the ideal situation. We have two for a reason. But the kidney that does remain can hypertrophy and, or can grow and kind of compensate for the other kidney's loss. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it's always a good reason why we have two. So it's ideal to keep both kidneys functioning as long as possible. Well, well Dr. McGinley, you mentioned the kidneys kind of a filtration mm-hmm. uh, system in the body. Mm-hmm. And it, it, through that filtration, is that how they uh, create these stones? Is it like uh, the 
particulates get caught in the filtration system, kind of like you would imagine in like a, a sieve or something like that? Yeah, yeah. That's There's a couple different theories. Uh, one of them is certainly a plug theory. Another one is what's called a Randall's plaque, uh, which is essentially kind of a little tail of it that kind of stretches out from the collecting system, which is the end part of the filtration unit then Man, it kind the, of extends into the urinary tract. Th- those plaques just yeah. seem like they're on your teeth or in your yeah, heart. They're they're, yeah. they're, 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 those yeah. naturally occur inside the body, even in the kidney function. Yeah, well, so they're, they're, they are pathologic. So they're not, it's not that everyone has these plaques uh, and certainly they should not be there. It's just kind of the way the crystallization occurs. And sometimes you have a, uh, a defect or you have that kind of that uh, area that's not otherwise uh, way to describe but otherwise smooth and and that defect is kind of the nidus for the stone to kind of grow off of almost like if you remember from like science experiments where you put uh, a little string in a glass of sugar water and you get the crystallization on it same basic idea that kind of provides that that defect for the stone to grow on and so it's that the the stone is that crystallized mass yep. yep crystallized material that kind of just finds themselves in the urine and then grows from there well, the horror stories you hear about the process it takes to pass these stones are legendary sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard you've heard them all. I, yeah, I, yeah. I uh, I don't use this uh, anymore, at least if there's a woman in the room. But I used to tell men that it was the equivalent that we had to um, childbirth. But I got a lot right. of I got a lot of dirty looks, <laughs> so I stopped saying that. You get the uh, the skunk eye uh, yeah, on that yeah, kind of comment. Yeah. I, I I don't know from personal experience. So, <laughs> so it, it's that, that crystallized mass mm-hmm. and again it's it seems it seems like it's more prevalent in older men but you mentioned women just a bit ago yeah. who are the age groups the demographics that typically get kidney stones yeah, you know it used to be used to be middle-aged uh men and older uh but then as our diets have gotten worse as we've eaten more processed food as we've gotten more overweight it's women are closely catching men and now we're seeing a lot of it in kids too it used to be almost unheard of in children, unless it was like a metabolic stone, so from like a, you know, underlying like genetic disorder. But nowadays, I know in residency even saw numerous kids coming in for stones. Hmm. Wow, wow. Uh, talking with Dr. McGinley here today, a urologist at St. Mary Medical Center. Dr. McGinley, what about just your uh, the general color or appearance of your urine? Um, it, I've heard people say if you're really hydrated, you have clear urine. If you are really dehydrated, sometimes your urine is extremely dark. Is that is that something dangerous? Is de- does dehydration lead to kidney stones? Yes. It, yeah. Definitely. Um, most most stones. The reason they form is because the crystals can find each other in the urine. So the more concentrated it is, the easier they they can find themselves. Uh, as far as color goes, so certainly if it's bloody, that could be a stone that you're passing. Um, and there are cheats. Obviously, if you drink a lot of caffeine, your urine might be a little bit dilute looking. But but generally speaking, you want your urine to be as clear as it can be. And that's at least a decent indication that you're hydrating yourself adequately. Kidneys will alternate. So if a kidney's obviously filtering, it's also its job is to keep water in your system. It doesn't want to lose all the water in your body. So as you dehydrate yourself, your kidney's response is to then suck the water back in, and that makes your urine that concentrated. That's kind of why things will kind of alternate like so that. It's like trying to process more or less water yeah. for the body yeah. out it's of basically there. basically trying to either extract water to keep it in your body if you need it, or if you're 
too hydrated, it's getting rid of that extra water so you don't get all swollen and demitus. The human body, an amazing <laughs> system. And we get to learn a little bit, bit about it here on uh, the Healthline. Great to have Dr. McGinley with us. The other thing I heard, doctor, again, just about the, the appearance of your urine, mm-hmm. cloudy urine. Is yeah. that something that is related to kidney stones, other types of kidney function issues? Yeah. Totally unrelated to what we're talking about. Ah, you know, they're all, they're all generally related. You know, it, it can be a number of things. Um, you, cloudiness and odor uh, can sometimes be from diet, certain mm-hmm. things that we ingest. You know, the, the popular one is uh, asparagus. Oh, yeah. change asparaginine, which is odorous. Right. Um, but, but certainly very smelly urine, very odd-looking urine can be a sign of a UTI, hmm. can possibly a sign from stone passage, stuff like that. So it isn't always very cut and dry, but you know, usually you have an expert who kind of has experience with it, looks at it, can kind of at least have a general idea of what it might not be. I mean, thankfully, I've not gone through this whole kidney stone experience, but you hear about, the, again, the, the pain. I mean, is that the first symptom, oftentimes pain when urinating? Um, no. You know, oddly enough, it's, it's a common symptom, um, but pain with kidney stones is often what's called referred pain. So it's not like someone's going to say, oh, my kidney hurts, I'm probably passing a stone. Uh, depending on where the stone is located, you can have pain in your in your side. So the flank area, where the kidney is generally located, is kind of the you know the back rib area, uh, just kind of underneath where the chest would be, um, and that's general symptom for a stone pain. But if you have a stone that's close to the bladder that's not quite past yet, you can feel testicular or labial pain. And so someone might come into the hospital and saying, you know, I feel like I, I hurt my 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 testicle or something like that, but I don't remember doing anything. And they get a CAT scan and it shows a stone. So it's not always the most clear. Um, certainly, if, if you see blood in your urine and you have pain, that could be a sign that you're passing a stone, or it could be a very bad urinary tract infection. It could be a number of things. If you've had a stone before, usually you kind of you say, this, this feels like my last time. This is probably a stone again. Been down this road before, yeah, yeah, and uh, time to talk to Dr. McGinley. <laughs> yes, and, absolutely. Uh, see what's you know, I want those stones broken up. I hear some people talk about uh, going through a procedure where um, – I don't know, there's like radiation or some other wa- uh, wavelengths yeah, or something as, as that, well. are, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that are put into the kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't work all the time, it sounds like. No. Uh, so that, yeah, that's what's called ESWAL or external shockwave lithotripsy. Uh, it used to be a big to-do where you go into a, a big water tub and everything, but those machines aren't made anymore. Now, now it's a little gel pad that you put against your side, but essentially they emit high-pulse sound waves to kind of pummel the stone to fragmentation. But, yeah, like you mentioned... It has to be the correct density. If it's too dense, there's a low chance of it fragmenting. It's, it still might, but maybe not optimally. Uh, and the thing that I always kind of tell my patients to remember is that even if we fragment it, they still have to pass the fragments. So certain stone sizes really aren't a good idea to use it with because if you have too many stone fragments you're passing at once, they might just get blocked. Hmm. And certain locations aren't amenable either. If it's not in a location that's going to necessarily pass the stone easily, you just have a bunch of fragments now sitting in your kidney necessarily passing and then body sizes matter too someone who's who's a very large individual uh, the sound waves aren't going to necessarily hit the stone as as uh, optimally as they would in somebody who's very very skinny and thin 
Well, Dr. McGinley, you just mentioned a little bit ago, I think, some about some imaging and how you can find those stones, see mm-hmm. where they're at. I uh, want to find out a little bit more about that as we continue with our sure. St. Mary Medical Center here and uh, find out how those stones can be treated and diagnosed as we talk with Dr. Sean McGinley this morning. And again, if any of uh, what we're talking about, if you have any other health care concern, uh, your interest is piqued, check out stmaryhealthcare.org. Just want to see what Dr. McGinley looks like. I think they have bios and photos of all the doctors and stuff. So uh, check that out, stmaryhealthcare.org. And we will continue with the Healthline. Got more to uh, we talk about the stones here today on, uh, on WBCB. We'll get right back to it. Dear neighbors, our hearts live to fix yours. The St. Mary Cardiovascular Team stands ready to save your life in ways that are safer, faster, less invasive, and sometimes extraordinary. You see, that's our mission, to treat you with brilliant technology and simple human kindness. Call 8447-ST-MARY or visit stmaryhealthcare.org slash heart. Before you know it, warm weather's going to be here again and thoughts are going to turn to summer vacation. The Long Beach Island region is ready to welcome you too. LBI means clean, beautiful beaches, festivals, and special events. Enjoy your favorite restaurants and a calendar full of lots of fun for the entire family. Check out the award-winning Surf and Sip Brew Trail. RSVP, the LBI Wedding Road Show and Party Planning Tour, April 26th. Summer is coming and LBI is ready. Visit LBI region. We now return to St. Mary Healthline. All right, welcome back to the St. Mary Healthline as uh, we are here. Nice, sweet. Uh, for you guys, uh, St. Mary Comprehensive Urologic Specialist. We're talking with Dr. Sean McGinley, and uh, really neat the campus here. So much uh, for people out there who are listening. If they have, again, any kind of healthcare concerns or issues, we talk about just about everything on the health line. Last time we were talking about urinary incontinence. Today we're talking about kidney stones. Uh, and uh, Dr. McGinley, really appreciate your time today and uh, being able to get inside uh, your noodle or noggin do you have a preference if it's a, a noodle or a noggin no, no no i like them both i like the noggin. <laughs> we get in there and we we get so much great information we ask these guys questions uh, guys and girls uh the healthcare professionals of saint mary and uh they just knock it out of the park for us every single time uh and you get asked these questions all the time right i mean this is kind of uh a, a typical stuff that you hear in oh, any yeah. type of consultation yeah. um how, so how do you guys find those stones um how are they diagnosed MRI type of imaging? Uh, so MRI is very good for soft tissue. Um, so if you're concerned for a tumor, perhaps, it's not very good for stones. So MRI would be the one imaging study that I would say is not that great for it. But between ultrasounds, x-rays, CAT scans, uh, those are any number of sources. Um, CAT scans are good and bad. Obviously, they're very, very good at picking up everything. So they can see most stones. i say 97% of stones could probably be picked up by a CAT scan, but there's a lot of radiation associated with it. And, you know, if you're younger, it's just not necessarily the best thing you want to be getting, you know, as far as longevity goes. How big are these stones we're talking about? Uh, I, I understand yeah. they vary. Yeah. So uh, as far as, you know, the stones go, as far as stones that would concern us, you know, the urinary tract or the, the tube that drains from the kidney to the bladder is called the ureter. And at any point in it to the narrowest locations are about three millimeters in width. So stones really, 
greater than, say, five or six millimeters are stones that we get concerned about not really passing. Um, the ureter is stretchy, like any other part of the body is, soft tissue-wise. So it can accommodate larger stones, and people have passed larger stones. But certainly as we approach a centimeter, we get much more concerned that these are stones that will probably need intervention on surgically. And unfortunately, most, so all calcium-based stones and a majority of the other stones, uh, apart from certain infection stones and uric acid stones, can't be dissolved. Once they form, they're, they're pretty much formed, and they have to be broken up surgically. And so you guys have to go in there. So uh, uh, treatments, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously surgery. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned just the stones passing, the yeah. naturally going through that process. Um, and maybe breaking those stones up. Are those kind of the main things that you guys uh, throw at it? Any other treatment things? Yeah, so it, a lot of it depends on the, the patient themselves. So if it depends on the surgeries they have, kind of the way their urinary tract is, is, is made up, uh, their own health issues otherwise. So obviously some of these surgeries involve drug anesthesia, and sometimes it isn't always safe to put a patient under anesthesia, so we have to kind of monitor that. But general approaches can be anything from letting them pass a stone if we think it's safe enough to. Um, invas- invasive therapies, so it's, it's surgery because it involves anesthesia, but certainly it's not like with a knife and a scalpel where they end up having a big scar. Uh, it's thin camera that we go through their P-channel, and we basically kind of work our way up there, break up the stone, remove the fragments. That's called a ureteroscopy. There is the Eswell we already talked about. For really large stones, there's a procedure, um, it's called a PCNL or percutaneous nephrolithotomy, which is uh, an install incisions made in the back, kind of over where the kidney is sitting. And uh, in coordination with our interventional radiology friends, we will basically get access directly into the kidney. Uh, and then we'll work with a larger instrument to break up very, very large stones, which would take a procedure that might take maybe two or three u- ureteroscopies and make that one single procedure. I would imagine a lot of guys worried, um, or girl, guys and girls, yeah. uh, again, don't want to leave anyone out, but that, yeah. that this, passing that stone through their system is going to mess up their business down there. Um, I mean, is there is there potential for damage as that stone is passed? So, yeah, as far as... As far as, like, the reason why we even talk about dressing stones, so leaving out the pain and all that kind of stuff. So, obviously, stone passage could cause scar tissue that could require more invasive surgery down the line as far as reconstructing the urinary tract. The obstruction from the stone on the kidney is not good. Short-term, no real long-term effects on it, but if it's a very long obstruction, it can actually lead to permanent kidney damage. It can lead to eventual kidney failure. So those are all things that we, we kind of want to keep on top of. And sometimes, we had mentioned this before, you know, it isn't always a very clear symptom. So someone might have back pain, but they have a history of back surgery. They think it's just that. They never get it checked up. And then two years later, they, they see me because you know their, their one kidney is no longer functioning anymore, and their left kidney is the only one doing the work. So... What, what kind of different timelines are we talking about for recovery? Uh, like if if you go through that natural process and the stone passes, mm-hmm. are you like you're you're, you're done? Yeah. yeah. So um, if you yeah if you pass a single stone, as far as symptoms go, you should pretty much feel better by the the next day. Uh, as far as uh, your ureteroscopy goes, since again since there's no cutting or anything like that, uh, depending on how you tolerate a stent, which is like a soft rubber tube that we leave in to kind of let things drain on the inside. Uh, you usually can be back to work by you know a day or two later. Uh, the more invasive stuff, or actually even before I even get to that one, the Eswall again is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe out for a day or two from soreness. Uh, when we get to the, the PCNL, which is kind of the, the through the back surgery, that 
usually requires a little bit more time off, maybe a few days, uh, just because of the fact that we have to obviously make that cut to the back, which can be a little bit painful. Uh, but certainly, as far as recovery goes, these are generally what we consider minimally invasive. So it's kind of looking at people get laparoscopic surgery and can be at work within a few days. Same general principle. All right. So yeah. I, I knew after today's St. Mary Healthline, I wanted to go out and get a big bottle of water. <laughs> yes. I was ready to get hydrated. You know, when I was a young person, we didn't even think about hydration. I, we, yeah. If you got thirsty, you drank something, and that was great. But the idea of drinking water to actually fuel the body seems more like a modern construct and um it's kind of interesting now it's such a pervasive construct that to think about other people who weren't hydrating themselves like what you you weren't thinking about water well really people think like in the ancient history days they were not thinking about water but that really does does help if you drink a lot of water is that going to prevent those kidney stones i mean you kind of indicated that earlier yeah for the for the general individual yes uh there are some people that Metabolically speaking, they have higher levels of calcium in their urine or they have some other risk factor for why they're forming stones. But for the average individual, absolutely. The better hydrated you are, the better you're able to kind of at least lessen or prevent any any stone formation. We want calcium in the body. Yes. Right? But in the wrong places in the body, it can be like an indicator of really bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, Is this like if we drink a lot of milk um, or or is this – Totally separate from your diet. There's a very small subset of individuals who have higher levels of calcium absorption from their gut. But generally speaking, we don't want people to cut out calcium. Certainly women, it's the worst thing we can do. That's just going to lead to osteoporosis or osteopenia. We don't want that to happen. So we never really tell people to cut out calcium. Uh, The main thing that we kind of address, so sodium intake is a big thing. The more sodium you take in, the more calcium your, your kidneys will kind of spit out into the urine. Oh, man, that's a bummer for us with the uh, high-sodium diet. Yeah, so that's that's probably one reason why stones have been changing so much recently. It's just because our diets have just gotten worse, more fast food, more processed food. We just have higher levels of sodium. And so you're seeing the increased numbers? Yeah, since the 60s or 70s, we've definitely seen the the kind of – demographics change so not only the number overall the raw number but certainly the people are getting younger um and that's attributable to obesity to some degree that makes our urine more acidic that makes uh our bloodstream more acidic um and that also lessens some natural substances that would otherwise inhibit stone formation um but also, yeah, we're just, you know, taking in more sodium. We're not hydrating ourselves adequately, and we're kind of seeing the after effects now. It's amazing. You just ask a, a guy like Dr. McGinley a question about uh, urology, and he's off and, and running here <laughs> with great answers. What, what if, you, if you have a stone, likely to get another stone? Um, not always. Um, if, so I, I will sometimes tell people that if we can't find any obvious metabolic issues and there's a single stone and we treat it, it could have just been, you know, a bad summer or a bad winter even, and that was just unfortunate. But otherwise, you know, we will follow. We don't necessarily – we don't follow with CAT scans for the reasons we listed before, but certainly we can kind of monitor with ultrasounds, which don't involve any radiation, and just assess the stuff on that end. But certainly if we see somebody comes in with a stone and they have numerous other stones in their kidney already, there is probably something that 
needs to be addressed, and until that really is addressed, they will probably keep forming stones. Right. Addressing something like that maybe is involving your uh, primary care physician as well. Mm-hmm. Even the, the process, I would guess, starts with that primary care physician. If somebody thinks that they have a kidney stone, um, you know, they stmaryhealthcare.org, a great way to kind of get mm-hmm. into the healthcare network there, but uh, the, pick up the phone and try to get that process moving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with, as this with anything else, it's prevention and, and kind of staying on top of stuff. If you do think you have a stone besides getting the medical field involved, anything you can do behaviorally to uh, maybe increase your likelihood to pass it or uh, mm. you know, I do some kind of self-assessment to figure out kind of how, how, how you're doing, uh, how bad the situation is. I, well, I would, say, I would say definitely get a, a doctor involved, uh, at the very least, to, to kind of know how big the stone is, that there's a chance of passing. As far as helping yourself to pass it, just drink plenty of water. The more water you drink, the more pressure will be behind the stone. Hopefully, it'll get pushed down. Outside of that, uh, there's really no easy general fixes. Uh, really, the thing that we always try to push the most is prevention once someone's had stones. This is a tricky one because in, in the medical world, right, there's so many different ways to help the patient avoid pain mm. and to be sedated, uh, anesthesia, that type of thing. Yeah. And here, there's really no way around some of getting through this process. Um, what's on the horizon, though? Anything that maybe is going to allow for the, it to be uh, less horrific? I mean, it really is. We certainly have progressed extensively. People, when they had stones before, used to always have open surgeries. You used to just have to get your abdomen cut open, and they used to have to cut open the urinary tract and pull stones out by hand. Nowadays, even in the last, say, 20 years, the optics of the cameras we use have gotten so much better that now we can use very, very thin instruments that can easily get up to the kidney, which before would have never even been thought of. Hmm. Uh, less recovery time, all that. Yeah, recovery time is getting better. Uh, We're not causing as much scar or injury to the urinary tract with our instruments because they're getting so much thinner and so much more capable. The laser technology is getting better so we can fragment stones much easier and, and much faster, and that decreases time under anesthesia. Um, and then just general knowledge as far as why those stones are forming and who it's forming, and it's kind of helping us to really target and address these issues much, much better. Anything else you'd like listeners to know about kidney stones? I mean, I guess w- one of the big things right at the beginning is it's not just a, a male issue. No. Um, it's women and men. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think we covered most things. I would say probably – what I would say in general, because I have seen this with some patients, is that if you do see your doctor and he recommends seeing a urologist for a stone, then I would probably just see the urologist just to be safe. Too many people kind of put it off and they'll come back a few months later. Uh, it's something that can easily be addressed when it's not too severe and as it kind of gets pushed off, it can develop into a much bigger issue. Well, that's another uh, great reason to see your primary care physician and get that regular checkup and uh, get onto that St. Mary Healthcare website, stmaryhealthcare.org, and prevention kind of allows you not to get into that situation where maybe somebody's got to cut you up and do (laughs) do all that stuff. That sounds much, much better. Oh, Uh, yeah. In general. For all parties involved. No, no, no question. All right. So I'm going to go, to go out, get my big bottle of water, and uh, stay hydrated. Yes. And that's a key not just for uh, urology health, but really for the whole body. And the other thing I think that's great you mentioned, doctor, is um, to avoid 
becoming overweight. You mentioned obesity, yeah. I guess, yeah. more specifically. And if people stay moving, stay active, that's a key to so much of what we talk about yeah. here on the health line. Yeah, take care of yourself. Watch your diet. Uh, that's good for heart, lungs, joints. Kidney stones, everything. <laughs> I keep hoping Joe Markle is going to bring that to bring back the jog for joints here at St. Mary Medical Center. They had that for a while, like a five. I event. heard about that. Yeah, and we I had a lot of fun with that. Every time I see Joe, I I, I remind him of that event. I, he's like, you know what? Can you just give it up? All right. But that that was a great way to stay active, yeah. stay moving, and uh, we encourage you certainly to do that here, uh, even for yeah. your urology health. Absolutely, Doctor McGinley. Thank you so much, and uh, St. Mary Comprehensive Urologic Special. Beautiful suite up here. How many uh, How many other urologists do you work with? Uh, five total. Five of us, including myself. So uh, women, men. Uh, yeah, so we cover all range of issues. Anything from, from purely, quote unquote, you know, female uh, health aspects all the way to advanced cancer care, uh, erectile dysfunction, pretty much cover all, uh, all avenues. Uh, after the recovery, any sexual performance issues with um, the stone passing? No. Um, really, I, t- to my knowledge, I have not seen any, any research or any studies that have really indicated any sort of uh, sexual dysfunction or sexual changes uh, purely from, from stone. I mean, again, uh, I would imagine stuff. that's some of the things that uh, people are concerned about when, yeah, when going through this process. And you always got Dr. McGinley with, with the right answer. So thank you so much. And that'll do it for us here on WBCB, another good St. Mary Healthline and stmaryhealthcare.org, the website for more great info. And always a tough act to follow. We got Jim Foxwell back at our WBCB studios. And uh, we'll get back to our normal broadcasting here on uh, your station in Bucks, Burlington and Mercer Counties.